Welcome to the Christopher Peter Review. My name is Christopher Peter and it is my pleasure to introduce you to the podcast that will serve as your source for common sense analytical commentary on salient current events impacting our public policy, economic outcomes, and overall society. Our objective is to provide ideas and analysis to help make our society a better place to live, work, and thrive in. I will be completely open and honest and start off our discussion by stating that I prefer to live outside the confines of cities. I do appreciate what city life has to offer, experiencing it in both Philly and New York, but it is not my personal choice. But, I do enjoy visiting cities, experiencing the food, art, sports, and entertainment that takes place in cities. Just prefer to avoid the traffic, congestion, smells, and people of the city. Whether you prefer the thrills of city life or the quiet and comfort of suburban or rural life, you have to understand the important cities play in our overall society. Typically, cities serve as a hub of economic activity, providing a central location for commerce, employment, or meeting stakeholders. Cities are hubs for innovation, collaboration, and celebrating. While I prefer to enjoy the benefits of the city and then retreat to more peaceful locations, I appreciate the importance of what our great cities offer our society and we are blessed with many cities, each with their own unique appeal and identity. I personally feel like there is no better sports city than Philadelphia, with its big city feel combined with a historic connection to our very founding. I do like the abundance available in New York City, with its five boroughs all different. Another great historic city in Boston, with great food places and sights to see. And who does not appreciate visiting D.C., the power hub of the greatest nation in the world? Chicago gets a bad reputation at times, but it truly has an interesting appeal to it. If you enjoy wind and everything costing more than it should. You get that in New York as well. But, Chicago deep dish is really good pizza. Especially when you get it in Chicago. But nothing beats a cheese steak while watching an Eagles, Phillies, Sixers, or Flyers game. My name is Jennifer and welcome. I think we cannot leave out our great cities on the West Coast or the South. Los Angeles, the city of stars, Hollywood, and the laid-back lifestyle. Cannot ignore San Francisco, the city at the center of the tech industry and innovation with its beauty. We should ignore cities like Dallas, Houston, or Phoenix. Or ignore ones like Atlanta, Miami, or Charlotte, which is a very interesting one you visited recently. Each of our big cities have something that is unique, good, and worth experiencing. But, I am more of a city person than you are. I believe there are the conveniences many people take for granted in the city, like enjoying public transportation, nightlife, restaurants, and random events that are unexpected and interesting. But, everyone has a different preferred lifestyle. Some people prefer to drive versus ride a bus or train. More people seem to prefer cooking for themselves than eat out to control health or diet concerns. And to each their own. That is the beauty of America is being able to live in the manner of your choosing and having the freedom to do so. And, yes, there is nothing like a cheesesteak during game day. Does anyone truly enjoy public transportation, especially the subways in many of our cities? Especially now after the pandemic, I think it is changing what some are willing to tolerate. People tolerate it because that is a reality of their life at the moment. That is why so many people fought hard to avoid returning to the office because the commute is really the most inconvenient and abhorrent part of their work life, which they only tolerated because of the income. What seems to be happening in our cities that people do not want to tolerate anymore is the growing problems with rising crime, expanding homelessness, and declining quality of services provided by local governments. Many of our large big cities are seeing people fleeing for more optimal locations. Safer communities, better or more consistent school systems, and cleaner environments. 
Many metropolitan areas are seeing tens of thousands of people heading outside their city limits. For those who are unable to flee, they will be stuck with the cost and burden that is left behind. May not be felt immediately, but over time. Well let's start with the issue of the rising crime. Cities will have higher total crime than other areas in general. There are more people per square mile. So there are more opportunities for crime. The greater the population density, there will be more conflicts because more interactions with people and also competing for the same resources, same opportunities, or even the same spot in traffic. Also, the communities are less connected overall as in a town or suburb. I believe city people feel more anonymous to some degree, which may make them feel less likely to be held accountable for what they may deem as petty crime. In a smaller community, your reputation may be more readily known because everyone knows your name or family. Word travels fast in smaller communities. Does anyone truly enjoy public transportation, especially the subways in many of our cities? Especially now after the pandemic, I think it is changing what some are willing to tolerate. People tolerate it because that is a reality of their life at the moment. That is why so many people fought hard to avoid returning to the office. Because the commute is really the most inconvenient and abhorrent part of their work life, which they only tolerated because of the income. What seems to be happening in our cities that people do not want to tolerate anymore is the growing problems with rising crime, expanding homelessness, and declining quality of services provided by local governments. Many of our large big cities are seeing people fleeing for more optimal locations. Safer communities, better or more consistent school systems, and cleaner environments. Many metropolitan areas are seeing tens of thousands of people heading outside their city limits. For those who are unable to flee, they will be stuck with the cost and burden that is left behind may not be felt immediately, but over time. We talk about it here quite a bit about the need to balance the need to ensure fair and appropriate practices in our justice system with the need for law and order. And you can have both if there is competent leadership in place. Leaders that do not place the comforts of criminals above the interests of the innocent. Police are tasked with dealing with the worst in our society at times or people at their worst moment in life. They have a difficult and dangerous job. But, they chose a career in this profession and have the responsibility to apprehend suspects and afford them their due process. Instead of bowing to radicals who call for no policing, leaders should actually call for more police, reducing the burden on each officer. And implement better training, standard procedures, and accountability. There are areas of opportunities to reduce biases, but not use quotas that allow criminals to remain free. If you commit a crime and enough evidence is available to justify an arrest and probable cause, then that person needs to be arrested and have their day in court. I do agree that the whole reputation and word-of-mouth aspect in smaller populations impacts crime. You will be less likely to do something bad if you know it follows you wherever you go. Recall also that Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner attempted to deflect criticism of his record by saying Philadelphia has less crime than red state areas. He did not include the fact that higher population areas may have less percentage crime because more people dilute the statistic. As much as facts and data are important, it is important to understand the need to match the data type to the situation. Also to the related policy that may impact the data. For instance, the policies enacted to not prosecute crimes will make crime appear lower, when in reality is misleading. When you choose to alter the way crime is reported also can make it appear like less crime is being done. For example, if you classify a mass shooting as one murder with multiple victims rather than one murder for each of the victims, then it appears like there is less crime. Even with data manipulation, crime is on the rise and people are no longer comfortable looking the other way. They are having to make the tough decisions to vacate communities they grew up in or relocate businesses away from customers to avoid those who wish harm and chaos. 
Projecting potential changes that may prove catastrophic is not easy when one is not willing to acknowledge there is a problem to begin with. In many of our large cities, we saw many local leaders unwilling to acknowledge issues driving people and businesses out of their city limits until it was already well underway. Still then many of them chose to question the economic patriotism of those fleeing, like people have to be willing victims to the poorly functioning policies they no longer believe is beneficial to them. Rather the burden should be on those elected to maintain a community people are willing to live in, raise their families in, and work in. And that always starts with the quality of the economy. Areas with productive economies will have less crime and more resources to discourage it. Areas with good economies are going to better create cycles of success and not dependency. Everything in society comes down to the economy. Otherwise, people will either flee or choose to make ends meet by any means possible, which is not ideal. I agree with you wholeheartedly. People automatically shift towards one pole or the other. Either they think police can do no wrong or the criminal is an innocent victim who was out of the blue accosted by law enforcement. When these situations typically have wrongs on both sides. But crime is not the only major issue cities face. And crime is also a direct result of the problem with declining economic stability in many cities and economic disparities that are prone in the city environment. Although cities are hubs for economic activity, traditionally, times have changed and technology allows for economic activity to happen almost anywhere. Also, the entrepreneurs and investor class tend to prefer to not reside in certain cities because of the quality of life. Most people with the ability to live outside of the city will make that choice. And history has shown the massive migration out of certain cities has negatively impacted economic outcomes even to this day. Some cities are better able to adapt. Others not so much. But, when you have people leave, businesses leave, what is left behind? People who are unable to flee who are left to foot the bill and without opportunities readily available to enable them to do so. The infrastructure of a city is not readily adjustable to population or industrial shifts. One can easily understand how cities can go from growth to budget constraints pretty quick if policymakers are unable to reasonably project changes. A growing economy that is diverse and dynamic also provides numerous value channels that afford local governments the resources needed to maintain or improve government services. Another problem in many of these cities is the declining quality of public services. There was a time when New York City had a strong public education system that generated talent beyond its borders. But, now the education quality is greatly inconsistent to the point that you really need to find a quality private or charter school to ensure your child has a competitive education. Consider the fact that many of the workers in high-paying service roles are imported from other states or from overseas. In many communities, infrastructure is not well maintained and services are highly inconsistent. So why would someone remain in an environment plagued by a high cost of living and with poor public services? You are not getting what you pay for. In all fairness, there are many reasons why policymakers are slow to address these issues. There are lags in when these arise and when they become noticeable to the point where action is needed. Many local leaders are beholden to the status quo and focus more on their electability before doing anything that could impact their political machines. For instance, many of these impacted communities saw union jobs flee overseas and many local leaders are reliant on union votes and funding. It is hard to enact any policy changes that make local labor markets more competitive until it is too late. I do believe that we need pro-growth politicians because a growing economy can provide opportunities for those in unions as well as those who prefer to be in non-union work, self-employment, or entrepreneurship. Since you do not prefer the city life, you are less likely to be drawn to reside in a city. But, I do think that if our great cities focus on creating environments that encourage economic growth, investment, 
and employment then people might return. But, they must restore law and order so people feel safe relocate their families and businesses in these communities. Otherwise, the economic appeal is simply not enough. They also need to ensure the government services are effective and consistent. Tasks that must be done simultaneously in order to really make our cities great again. As we prepare for the conversation segment, let us experience our new segment from the rest of the CRC team. My name is Brad and welcome to the perspective segment of the Christopher Peter Review podcast. In this edition, I want us to discuss the role our major cities played in the overall debate on illegal immigration in America. A difficult national issue that the federal government has struggled to address. But many cities run by politicians leaning to the left of center and embrace the progressive banner thrust their communities into the issue by adopting sanctuary policies, enabling residents with proper documentation to avoid accountability for potential immigration crimes. Recently, border states have raised the attention to the impact our border issues are having on their budgets and resources by sending illegal immigrants to these sanctuary cities, who are not as happy as one would have thought they would be given their sanctuary status. Unfortunately, the federal government will be less likely to solve the problem in the current environment, but the problem only appears ready to get worse, as record crossings continue to occur. Let us hear each argument from both sides of the political spectrum. My name is Adriana and I will be addressing this issue from the liberal perspective, who believe that immigration in all its forms benefits society. Although these migrants are violating a federal law, Many of them provide vital services that many Americans are simply not willing to do or where employers of such labor are not able to find enough domestic workers to do. In a society that is gripped by unearned entitlement, there are not enough people willing to do the dirty work that many Americans simply refuse to lower themselves to. These individuals come here in search of opportunity and they provide services not fulfilled by domestic workers. So, People on the left of center believe that we should rethink our approach to immigration and afford people a fair path towards becoming Americans, who also value opportunity. My name is JP and I will provide the conservative counter-argument, which is that America already has a path for opportunity for those seeking to immigrate to the United States. Those seeking to justify illegal immigration actually promote immigration inequality, where people seeking to do the right thing and migrate here legally are pushed aside in favor of those who circumvent our laws and willingly participate with human trafficking. Societies must know who is entering their borders, especially in this day and age where the global partnerships are splintering and many nations are aligning against our interests. Having an unregulated border exposes society to this risk, which is being proven each and every day as our border patrol agents bravely intercept cartel smugglers and people on terrorist watch lists on a frequent basis. We would like to believe that everyone crossing is simply coming here for the opportunity. If that were the case, why not take the legal path here? While the transporting of these illegal migrants to cities that claim to want them there is opening their eyes, it is not doing anything to solve the problem. Liberals are great at speaking about issues that they are not impacted by or able to solve. Border towns are experiencing the financial hardships and cartel violence that many are not willing to acknowledge. America does need immigration and should welcome people who want to become Americans in a legal manner. Thank you Adriana and JP. Keep in mind that they are presenting the perspective from these groups. Most of us feel like there are valid concerns from both sides of the argument. We all want opportunity, but we want a safe and secure society. Can we believe that these individuals are all completely safe? Why wouldn't they just apply for entry or a host of other programs available? I am not sure we should agree with our federal government facilitating violations of our own laws. If it was truly a justifiable pursuit, 
Why is it done in the middle of the night and without the consent or advising of the impacted communities? Back to Christopher and Jennifer. Now let's discuss recent current events, starting with the mysterious spy balloons launched by China over the United States and South America. I think this is a clear provocation, combined with their established support in enabling the Russian war push, allowing a workaround our collective efforts. Did the Biden administration handle the situation effectively and where should we go from here? I agree that this is a troubling act that is a provocation. I know many people wanted the balloon shot down immediately, but I do think it was appropriate to demonstrate caution until it cleared populated areas. We still should be interested in what it captured, what was transmitted back that we did not stop, and what consequences are we going to enact on China, who is becoming bolder in their escalation. I think more people are waking up to the threat of China, which is not a right-wing conspiracy theory but something real and present. A major step forward would be for our multinational corporations to stop investing in China and make their products either inside our borders or with our allies. Also, there is now new information that Iran will assist Russia in building drones to be used in their war effort. I think this should put a nail in the coffin for any new Iran deal. Does it make sense for the administration to support any new agreement? If we are serious about halting the Russian invasion we should not be doing anything that will assist those supporting the invasion. We should not be manufacturing our products in their economies, providing taxpayer funds to support their societies, or purchasing their energy. Otherwise we are funding both sides of the fight. Finally, the classified document scandal continues. More searches of Biden residencies. Now, a search of former Vice President Mike Pence's residence. What should we make of this continued scandal? At this point, everyone should check their homes to see if they have any classified documents because it seems like this is something that could be found at any residence of any former president, vice president, or cabinet secretary. We still do not really know what was found and if it is really damaging. But, the 24-7-365 news cycle needs content and this definitely draws attention. Many things in society are cyclical. There are good times and there are bad times. Many areas will ride the wave through and through. Other areas never recover. Cities like Detroit are not what they once were as technology and offshoring harmed this once manufacturing powerhouse. The lesson to take away is that policymakers must ensure that their cities are economically diverse and the environments are pro-business. Some cities like Philadelphia provide a great experience, but are economically challenged because there are not many organic growth opportunities like other big cities. Its own newspaper showed how it struggles to foster the opportunities available in other areas not that far away. If there is no opportunity, there will be crime and other negative externalities as people will do whatever it takes to survive and provide for their families. While economic challenges is not an excuse for immoral behavior, it is something that society must address to remove the temptation and eliminate that path for wayward individuals. Everything in society boils down to the economy. We need to expand economic opportunity and economic freedom or suffer the consequences of stagnation and decline. In closing, I thank Jennifer for her continued contributions to this podcast as well as the rest of the team. I especially thank the audience for taking the time to experience this episode of the Christopher Peter Review Podcast. We truly appreciate your viewership and continue to collaborate to ensure we offer you common sense and informative content. Please continue to visit us at www.crcrvw.com for new content and explore the content channels available. Thank you once again for experiencing this podcast episode and we will see you next time.